We're so excited to share this teaching message with you from Sycamore Church, Ibadan, Nigeria. We believe God knows you and loves you, and through his word, he expresses his plans and purposes for your life. We hope that you open up your heart and really sense God speak to you through this message. Let's get right into the service and be blessed by this message. Who wants God to speak to them this morning? I'm glad that every time we gather, God has a word for us that speaks to our situation. And so let's, um, let's read a scripture, then we'll pray, then we'll sit down, and then we'll hear God's word, and then we'll do many other things afterwards. As you can see, I have like different books that we have to go through today. Yes, yes, it's a long message, don't worry. All right, so John 10, we'll take a couple of scriptures from John 10. I tell you the truth, anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through the sheep gate must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the sheep, through the gate, is the shepherd and the sheep of the sheep. Sorry. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know his voice. Let's flip to 11. I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf or wolf. My children say it's wolf, so wolf or wolf. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. The hired hands runs away because he's working only for money and doesn't really care about the sheep. I'm the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me just as the father knows me. I know the father. So I sacrifice my life for the sheep. I have other sheep too that are not in the sheepfold. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice and there will be one flock and one shepherd. Amen. So can we stretch our hands as an act of faith as we ask God to just speak to us. Lord, we're here before you to listen, to learn, to be inspired, to be encouraged, to be healed, to be restored, to start a new life. People are in different spheres and spaces, Lord. I ask for a word that speaks to every man, that transforms every man, every child, every father, mother, everybody here, Lord. Do what only you can do with your word this morning. Your word is powerful. It pierces in. Let it speak to everyone today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Amen. All right. Will you say hi to your neighbor if you haven't already? And know how they're doing. And then will you then give a big shout out to my husband? Yeah, a big, big shout out to my husband. He's such an amazing man for leading us, for teaching us, for being such an amazing leader. Okay. And then a shout out to him. You're not ready yet. A big shout out to him. Okay, okay, okay. You can have your seat now in God's presence. I love you, babe. Thank you so much. 
for sharing your life with all of us. I mean, it's not easy. And particularly sharing your life with me, sharing everything that you have, particularly your money, your time, your, your clothes, like this one that you haven't even worn. Yes, thank you for sharing it. And thank you for not collecting it back. Yes, because I'll take plenty of pictures today so that everybody knows it's mine. All right, so big welcome to everybody this morning. Good to see you in church. I have a word that I believe God um, wants to speak to you about in a bit. And um, let's get right into it. So today is 8th of August, right? 8th of August. Yeah, 8th of August, 2006. I gave my life to Christ. That's 15 years ago. You don't sit there and be clapping like that. 15 years of my life. Oh. Uh-uh. God has tried for me. Uh-uh. God has tried. God has really, really transformed me from who I was to who I am. And I believe 15 years from now, I'll be looking back, I'm like, ah, God has really, really tried. And now 15 years, I'll be like, ah, and another half, ah, I will not get to heaven. I'll be like, ah, ah. You get it. So um, it's amazing, really, what God, what God has done in my life. And I just want to speak to you from there. Um, permit me, I, I want to share my photo albums with you. Um, of how the journey has been. And um, if you don't do photo albums, I want to share my Facebook page with you to see the pictures on my Instagram page. So to be on the screen very soon, we'll just be going through the pictures and be doing all the home and the house, and then we close and we're done. So I brought a few of my journals this morning. This is not me. I don't know why it's on the screen, actually. This isn't me. So I put a few, a few of my journals. So this was my first journal when I gave my life to Christ. Um, I used to have a key. Before then, I used to lock all my secrets in this journal. Well, I lost the key when I gave my life to Christ. So this was my first journal. And then this was the second. And then this was the third. And then um, over the years, we were speaking at our Connect Leaders meeting the other day. And I was saying, I'm not even digging all this uh, hard book journal again when there's e-journal, when there's... And so this is one journal, but maybe in the next couple of 15 years, this might be the current journal that I'll be having. But you know, when I look through all of this, I was just going through them and thinking about how the years have rolled by, how I've grown. Some of the things I wrote, I, could, I was laughing at myself. Some of the jitters I had, some of the we-got-show-up moments, some of the wow, this is, God is here, I feel it. I could literally feel them come to life in me. And I just love the fact that through all the seasons, through all the pages, God has remained the same to me. He has remained that shepherd that has led me through and through up until this point. And so for a topic this morning, I want to speak to us about the learning curve. The learning curve. Yeah the learning curve so you know I, I, I love to speak in metaphors a lot you know metaphor like um, comparing literally metaphors are literally not true sometimes even an exaggeration and then um, but it explains an idea and and uh, make comparison so you understand it well it sticks well with you and all that so a few metaphors that you find around they say he had more problems than a math book that's a metaphor the guy had more problems than a math book not like Nigeria. No, I mean, the guy had a problem. 
more than in Mark's book. Then there's another one. It says, her dress left little room for imagination or lunch. Yeah, figure it out. Figure it out. Then another one again I like. It says, he grabbed her and said, look, in, look me in the eye and tell me you love me. And she had, sorry, and tell me you love me. As she had crossed eyes, he didn't know what to believe. You didn't get that. Okay. Yeah, she had crossed eyes like this. And then she was looking, she, you know when I'm looking at Dotsu, I'm looking at, but then it's a metaphor. And I find a couple of metaphors in scriptures where um, Jesus was talking about his coming back. He says he will be like a thief in the night. I, I, I don't think Jesus meant that he would show up with guns and, and bandits and all of that. But we'll just tell you that I'll surprise you, I'll shock you. I won't tell you before I come out, just that pair. And then another one where he says, I'm the bread of life. Doesn't mean Jesus is made of flour and sugar. But then it's just that thing that makes you think of Jesus in another way. Or when even Jesus speaks about us and he says, and he says you are the salt of the earth. You are not Lot's wife. <laughs> you are. But then he was making an analogy to say the same way soup cannot be sweet without salt. The same way the earth cannot be sweet if... We don't live in our full expression. So, metaphors, here and there, metaphors, 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 444. Uh-uh, you will cut it faster. <laughs> All right, it's a metaphor. Yeah, and so, this morning I was speaking to us about um, a metaphoric statement that Jesus made that has transformed my journey. Like I said earlier on, I'm just speaking to you honestly from my journey, what has worked for me, what I've seen God um, showed up to. In the last couple of years, seems very short, last couple of years, and then we'll take it up from there. So, um, I was speaking about Jesus as the good shepherd, and I as, as the sheep. From the text that we read, Jesus said a lot about how he's a good shepherd, he looks after the sheep, he guards it, this and that, and all of that. And I think about the fact that uh, the shepherd didn't need to stay with the sheep the shepherd can hire someone and just leave it. But he says that there's an hireling that does it for money. And so he's not accommodated as the shepherd. But he says the shepherd. So imagine that um, I'm in a relationship with Jesus. I am in, not imagine, I'm in a relationship with Jesus. And then um, Jesus is like, how many years older than I am? Eternity to my age, older than I am. And all of that. And then he still says that he wants to stay with me. He's with me. Like, now that I'm talking, he's standing here, is inside me, is all around me, is in the people I see, is in the community has placed me with. And so I want to speak to you about two things that I know about my shepherd, and then I'll give you a bonus point around that. So the first is that my shepherd is crazily, madly, stupendously, lavishly, gorgeously in love with me. Yeah, my shepherd is is that crazily, stupendously, madly in love with me? Look at two people in love. It's almost like, ha, ha, ha. I feel like Bolo. Like, go, you know that? Go now. No, I'm not going. No, uh, no. Uh, you going first. You eat first. You. Uh, I remember my and I we were dating before we got married. And when we go on dates, there, I'll pick his meat. He won't complain. I'll take. Suddenly now, when I'm in that, say, are you not satisfied with your own? Lola? 
And I'm like, I used to like these things. So, so people in love. And I, I, and I was thinking about it when I was praying. What, what's, what's the greatest thing, that, thing I've done for love over time? And I realized it just keeps changing. So there was a time I used to go to read through the night, TDB, because of love. But I didn't used to read. I would just go with this guy that was dating at the time. And we'll just go, I'll pack all my books, go to class, and we'll just gist throughout. After a while, the guy himself will read, though. Me, I won't be able to read because I'm tired already. And then when it's 5 a.m., we'll pack our books. We're going back to the room. And my roommates were like, ah, now wow, like this girl, part one student, you get, ah, but when results came out, and I had, if I tell you my GP is embarrassing, even my children should not hear. I think my first GP was two point something. No, it's not a seven point, it's um, five point. Oh, yeah, five, five CGPA system. And, you know, I was shocked, like, ah, ah, it's not for new. Like, it wasn't even like a phone number, two points, something, something. And, of course, I had to wake up. And then years after, I think about the sacrificial love that I have had for a man that I gave up my father's name for his own. And not just his own name, his great, 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 great grandfather's name. Like, oh, what love I've had for this man. Is it the kind of his babies that I would think about? Is it how I've transformed from a size 8 to... Don't check. <laughs> and all that. But then think about what I've done. But in all of the things I think I've done for love, I've never died for love. I never. I can give my kidney, yeah, for love, but not like die for love. Jesus died for all of us once and for all. Even when I tried donating blood one time like that, they had to even send me back. They said my PCV was too low. So I've not even donated blood for love. I'm yet to do that. But I couldn't just die for love. But then I have this Jesus that loves me so much that he died for me. I think sometimes this statement is under-celebrated, under-understood, under-absorbed. I just feel, oh, Jesus loves me. Oh, yes, Jesus loves me. No, Jesus actually loves you. Like, your father wouldn't have died for you if he, if he knew all the things you have done and all the, like you've seen, you've stolen, you stole his money, you stole everything, and then he still died for you. Oh, what manner of love the father has lavished on us. Like, lavished, like, in excess. Like you're saying, buy me a shoe, he buys 1,000, he buy, like it's not even comparable, he lavished it on us, why that we may be called the children of God, you know, he died for us, gave himself for us, and then because he wanted us to not just have relationship with him here, but because he wanted us to have a relationship with him, even after now, after here and now, he wanted us to sit with him on the last day, like sit down together. Everything that he has, we would have together. If Jesus has 10 houses in heaven, we share it together. If he has, like, and he says in my father's house, there are many mansions. So think about it. 10 is even insignificant. But he did not just die for us. He gave us all of himself. He gave us the authority. Scripture was saying in Philippians 2 verse 9, it says, therefore God elevated him to the place of highest honor, and gave him the name that is above every other name, that name of Jesus, every name must bow, every tongue must confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of the Father. You know, we have that authority. So the next time I'm facing a situation 
I'm facing, I'm facing um, a rent situation. I have the name of Jesus that is above every other name. He answers to it. The next time I'm facing a sickness, I have the name of Jesus. The next time I'm being tempted, I have the name of Jesus. The next time I'm wondering whether to go left or right, I look back and I have the name of Jesus. Sometimes I even have it in small letters where I... I'm almost dying. I'm feeling like I'm at the end of the road. But at the name of Jesus, at the name of Jesus, every knee must bow. There's no boya they can negotiate with. No, they have to bow, right? And you know, my mother was saying last week when he said, the name of Jesus is not an incantation. Five times, seven times, eight times, blood of Jesus. No, he said it is a location. A place we can stand in faith. I like the fact that the name doesn't just open doors. You know when you have some names. Let's assume that my father's name, Adidoko, is like the biggest name in the whole. And then when I enter a place like this and I said, Adidoko. And then, you know, this, everybody just stands up and they start. Jesus' Jesus's name is greater than the name of any man on earth. It says every name was bow. Of the things in heaven, the things on earth. You know, I even said under the earth, in case some things are hiding. He said they will still bow. So imagine what Jesus brought to us by the love that is stupendously lavished on us. There's this woman I love a lot, um, Lisa Harper. She adopted a child many years ago. That was the picture they were trying to show you. And then she speaks of how adoption rocks, how it, was, it, it always depicts to her a story of grace. You can put it up if you still have it. A story of grace, how that this poor child, somewhere in Africa, sick, chronic with HIV, lost her mother and all of that. She just went there and picked up this child. And then she took the child back home, took care of the child, a lot of hospital visits, blah, blah, blah. And then see the girl now, looking all freshed up. And then imagine... Imagine if many years ago, I feel like that child many years ago, how I was soaked in sin, I was soaked in self-doubt, I was soaked in my own personality, in all that I can make happen for myself. But 15 years after, I'm looking back, and I feel like that little girl, that's just blossoming and flourishing for all that God has done. You know the funny thing? That's not the end of her life. She still has many years ahead of her. And imagine what would have happened if this didn't start with a simple Jesus moment of coming into our lives. And so, I'll say again and again, the Father lavishes love on us. Our shepherd, he loves us so, so much. So much more than we can ever think or even imagine what manner of love the Father has lavished on us. My second point this morning is my shepherd has a plan and he leads me. My shepherd has a plan and he leads me. You know, in the, in, the, in, the, in the course of these years that I've had, I've made billions of decisions, billions, billions of decisions, maybe trillions, maybe gazillion, that's safer, of decisions. Where to go, what to wear, where who to marry, what school to go to, what to do with this, uh, whether to have kids, what to do with the kids, whether to put them up for adoption, whether to keep them school to go to, all of that, several decisions that we've made. But I love the fact that I'm not in those decisions alone. I have my shepherd with me. And can I say that he's not just a shepherd, 
is a good shepherd. You know, you're not just a shepherd. You're a good shepherd. Jesus is our good shepherd. Good shepherd. And so we look at how he leads the, the, the sheep. Verse 3 says that the gatekeeper opens the gate for him. And the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name. And he leads them out. He walks ahead of them and they follow him because they know his voice. He says, my sheep hears my voice and they know it. You know, in, in our relationship with Jesus, we get to the point where the decisions we make don't change. We still have to make decisions. But now we don't have to make decisions all by ourselves because we know that we have a shepherd that is leading us. And you know, he's not just leading us based on, oh, I just feel like, I feel like, but he actually has a plan for our lives. Jeremiah tells us about how God knows the plans that he thinks for us. For every face that we see here, there's a plan. God has a plan. For every season that you are in, God has a plan. For everything you go through, God has a thought about it. God has a plan for it. And then he's so happy to lead us in the plan. It says that he stays ahead of his ships. His ship, sorry. And then they follow him. So anything coming to you has to go through God. Before it gets to you. And so sometimes you wonder, is, where's God? Where's God? Life is hitting. I don't know. I, 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 I thought by now I would be top this. I would have done this. I would have grown through this. And you're asking, where is God? God is right with you. He's right in front of you. And so when life wants to hit, God looks at it and says, mm, she can handle this. And he says, bring it on. Bring it on. Bring it on. And then sometimes he feels, no, you're not ready for this. And he holds it back. But never a day are we without the leadership of our good, good shepherd. Never a day. So if you ever doubt it, if you ever wonder whether you're alone, my brother, my sister, you are not alone. Don't let the enemy cheat you off and make you feel you are. If you're a child of God, like you're a child of God, God is with you. He's with you here and now. He's with you in your decisions. He's with you in your contemplations. And he has great plans for you. So, you know, I think about the fact that through these years, I, I feel like I have this big plan that I'm really now. And then I bring it before God and say, Vision 2020, this is what I want to be. And one time I was thinking that um, before I'm 30, I'll be a professor. Another time I was thinking that, okay, before I'm 30, I'll be a high court judge. Another time I was thinking before, I'm, I had plenty. But then somehow, as I kept working with God, as I kept, don't ask me what I am now. I'm a Christian. I'm a child of God. <laughs> That's big. And I have my life going for me. I have two amazing kids and, and one awesome husband and a beautiful church family that I get to come home. That's a big deal. So, you know, I, I look at all of that and then it just looked like God looked at the plan and said, ah, good. But then let's try this. And he puts this on it. And I look at it, okay, and infuses it. It's like when they say white and gray, white and black mix causes it leads to what? Gray. Red and yellow is what? Orange. Good. This is very good children teacher. So it felt like I had this plan, and then, but I find that God's plan is never anti my plan. It's not like God is opposing my plan and saying, no, 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 don't think, don't think. But he even gives me the right to even think of something. I've blessed you with a brain. Come up with an idea. Let me see what you can do with it. But then he now says, I will do immeasurably more than you can think, imagine, 
ask, conceptualize. So why should I run away from that kind of girl with my plan? I feel like, no, I just want to. I have, I have. I want to bring it up. The worst answer you get is a no, not yet, yes, or higher than the heavens are above the earth. So are my plans for you. And so I love the fact that our shepherd leads us. You know, a room full of children, children, toddlers, if my son or my daughter cries, I know the voice, though. I'm telling you, I don't know what happens, but ask any mom. If, if there are children here and I'm not even inside and my child is crying, I can tell you, ah, that's my child. Or if two of my children are crying, I can tell you, I think that's for it, not sorry. I can, that's how much God knows our voice. God is not thinking it's my husband calling on him. On no, God knows my voice. He says he knows us by name. That's how much God is concerned about, how much he wants to lead us. And so, why would you stop crying out to God? Why would you stop talking to God? Why would you just stay there and feel like, I, I can handle this over myself? When God says that, even while you are thinking about it, I know what is in your heart, but I want to hear you. Come on, come on, come on. Speak up, speak up, speak up, speak up. Church family, God wants to lead us. He wants to lead us. He wants to lead us in tandem with his plan and his purpose for us. And you know, honestly, God wants to lead us beyond just ourselves, beyond just what will I eat, what school should I go to. God wants to show us what he's doing on the earth. God wants to make us partners with him on this journey. God wants us to know what his heart is beating for per time. Like, this is what I'm doing. How can you come in? God wants to know. You know, one of my old journals, I wrote something um, in um, 2008. Yeah. Um, I wrote something here. It says, God needs to talk it over with me, over breakfast, over brunch, over lunch, over dinner, and even dessert. He needs to talk to my friends, even my spouse. And then I wasn't married. And then it says, even my kids, of course. He needs to walk. He needs to walk. I can't see my handwriting. He needs to walk arm in arm with me. It says you can't know him in a jiffy. You can't know him standing over his head. He wants to sit at the fireplace with you. When everyone has gone to bed, he needs to fill your heart because he wants you to fill his heart. God, God, God yearns more to have quiet moments with us than we even want to. So the world gets busy. The world gets large. I feel like God isn't leading me. But God says, I want you in the quiet place. I want to speak with you. I want to lead you. I want to show you my plan. So my 15 years of my walk with God is rediscovering the quiet place with God. That place where it's just God and I, away from the noise of the world, of my problems, of my successes, of my awards, of everything, and just God and I in a conversation knowing what his plan is for us. Then finally, my bonus point this morning is called the learning curves. The learning curves. Have you been blessed so far? Okay, just checking. Learning curves. So I was saying in first service that the first time I learned of this word was when I was working in a law firm. I was a new lawyer then, and then um, I just, I was, it was really exciting to work in this prestigious firm and all. I was really gingered and all. And then we had this deadline to meet, and I was, because I wasn't used to the terrain, I was sure, I was jittery, I was making mistakes, I was, 
my boss then was very detailed such that you don't staple a paper on top like this. You staple from the side and it has to align. She was that detailed. When you are typing documents, they need to be justified. So that kind of environment. And then in the process, I shall make many mistakes. She shouted at me. She, as when I got home that day, I sent her a text to apologize that, mommy, don't vex so that my job should not be over. I'm just starting. My career is still ahead and all that. I sent to apologize and all that. And then she replied and said, oh, she, she understands. She also was under pressure. But then she understands that I'm on a learning curve. And that word was very deep. I kept that text up until, I think I still have it somewhere in my archives. I said I was on a learning curve. And I was, so, I was so inspired of the kind of grace she gave me at that point where she understood that maybe this is not the best that this person can be here now. But I know that if she stays on this process, she will grow up. And truly, I grew up through the ladders in that law firm. I became, I think, assistant head of chambers or something before I left. And when new lawyers come and they face the heat of she's shouting and all of that, I tell them, just chill. You'll see her smiling at the back, learning curve, learning curve. You know, in my journey with Christ, I found that I'm constantly on a learning curve. I don't know all yet. I don't know all of God yet. I don't. Sometimes I even just feel like it's a drop in the ocean. I feel like there's a lot God wants to bring me to know. There's a lot he wants to do through me in the world. There's a lot he wants to tell me beyond just telling me answers to tomorrow's exams. Sometimes that's like our deepest prayer. Holy Spirit, just tell me the first five questions. It worked for me at some point, but it gets to some point where he wants to have deeper conversations beyond our daily bread to how the world can be fed by the bread of life. God wants to have those kind of conversations. And that's the learning curve that we get to work. So learning curve, if you're wondering, learning curve theory proposes that a learner's efficiency in a task improves over time the more the, learners, the learner performs a task. I have a picture that shows that, yeah, a learner's efficiency starts from zero. And then the more you do it, the more you do it, it increases continuously and continuously. You know, I find that you're wondering, how can I be so close to Jesus? Start by reading your Bible every day. Start by praying every day. It seems very simple, but I find that it works. On the days where I don't feel like anything, what I just do is read one Bible verse, read your Bible, meditate on it, pray about it every day, show up in church, belong to a church community. We heard about the live group season starting up. It's for everybody. It's not for some select. And I like the way um, our church community leaders has worked it such that you don't have excuse. You say, oh, I close late. There's one for late people. Yo, I, I work weekends. There's the one that you can. I stay very far. There's a, I'm online. I don't have. There's an online platform. I want to even have. My house is close to church. I want to be coming to church. We have. There's a live group. For you. There's a life group for you. Belong to a community. That's how you grow on the learning curve. Trust me, none of us has gotten to the end of our learning curves. We're still growing. Like you read the Bible sometimes and you feel like I've never read it before. You feel like, ah, ah why is God abusing me so much like this? Why is God scolding me so much? You feel like, ah, ah, why am I so excited about the learning curve? But you don't want to stay down there on the 50, on the 60, 
But you can keep going up and up till Jesus comes. And so I'll tell us, let's continue to grow in our walk with God. That's what the learning curve talks about, growing in our walk with God. Ephesians 4.13 says, until we reach unity in faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth with waves and blown here and that. You know, I was saying in the first service that there were times when in 2006, 2007, when I gave my life to Christ, where the way God was, where God would permit with me. So I had this thing then that I would say, okay, if God wants me to do something, he should either show me or somebody should be wearing a particular color of dress. Let's say I would say, okay, let Dutton wear a yellow dress to church. And then Dutton just appears with yellow, top to bottom. And I'm like, and I do it. And then he kept going. But I got to a point where I realized that I was okay, let the person be wearing red, but the person will wear green. And God would still nudge my heart and say, no, do this thing. And it was worried. I felt like I was backsliding. I felt like I wasn't feeling. But it was a growth journey where God wants to take me for just, from just um, depending on signs and wonders to trusting the presence of the Holy Spirit with me. The Bible talks about the Holy Spirit. He said there's a spirit in man and the inspiration of the Almighty gives him understanding. Where God doesn't, doesn't, doesn't want you to just wait until you have a good boss before you do what is right. But you knowing that there's a spirit in me, it behoves on me to behave like what is inside of me. God wants us to grow consistently. So I was talking about me taking my husband's name and all of that, bearing his name and um, changing my life and all that. But then I find that I don't look like, I don't really look like any member of his family. But as we grew along the journey, my blood group did not change. My genotype did not change. My DNA did not change. But then what I find is that I have children that have my husband's DNA. I feel like go and test it tomorrow. It's my husband's DNA. You don't even need to test their face. God is, God is working. They will change when they grow. But you know, you know that when I gave my life to Christ, none of this changed. Literally, yeah, I wasn't this big. I was thin and all that. That's just by the way. But, I mean, my blood group didn't change. My genotype didn't change. But my membership changed. I became, I became a member of the household of God. I became a child of God. I became a Christian. But then, I won't just walk around taking that flag of, I'm a child of God, I'm a Christian, I'm this. But at some point, people will be asking, oh, show us now. Show us. Acts of the Apostle 4 verse 13. It says the members of the council the members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. At some point the message that we sell is not the Bible says John 3:16. God wants people wants to see people want to see literal humans walk in the Bible. People want to see the fruits that you bear. At some point, if I say I don't even need to say, "Oh, um, I'm married to my husband. This is our child." They will see it. It's too evident. At some point, we need to begin to bear fruit, and fruits that abide. 
At some point, we need to begin to show for that we are Christians in our workplaces, how we treat our colleagues, how we don't manipulate people, how we don't go for easy way out, how we treat our employees, how we treat our employers, how we treat our businesses, how we even treat the treasures that God has placed in our hands, how we treat our children, how we teach our, treat our spouses, how we even treat our education, our, our studies, all that God has placed in our hands. At some point, people want to see that this guy has been with Jesus. You know, even, Paul, even Peter, when he was trying to form there, when Jesus was going to be killed, that he didn't know Jesus and everything. Ah, one girl came to me and said, ah, ah, bros, ah, ah, and you call me, you and Jesus. And I was like, ah, no, 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 no. Even when you try to hide at some point, like, ah, ah, but you call yourself a Christian. People of God, at some point, we need to show fruits that abide. We need to show that we are children of God, not by the words that we say, but by, but by the exemplary lives that we live. And so in closing, family, I would ask you again, where are you on the learning curve? Where are you on the learning curve? Worship team. Where are you on your learning curve? Are you still where you were 10 years ago, 5 years ago, whatever years you've given your life to Christ? Or maybe you even just give your life to Christ today. The question is, are you growing are you growing? Are you growing? Imagine a pregnant man who says, oh, I'm pregnant on a particular day. I got pregnant on this date. And then five months after, or, okay, let's say you have a small tummy. Eight months after, nothing is showing. At some point, we'll be asking questions. Are you really, really pregnant? What do you carry? Is it showing forth? If you carry all of Jesus, all of Jesus in all his authorities, excellence, his presence at some point will show more than just words who begin to show in our actions and in our fruits and one way to keep a tab with that is to stay hungry is to stay desiring is to stay longing for Jesus you know scripture says about how that all those that are thirsty God satisfies you never come to God or Jesus one day and say, oh, I'm, I'm needing of this. And he says, water is exhausted. The woman by the well in John, she says, he told her, he said, I'll give you water such that you will never thirst again. Such that you will never thirst again. God wants to satisfy our longing, our desire, our quest. And his response to us today is to come come hungry, come thirsty come as you are I will fill you up I will satisfy you to an overflow and so cheers to the next 15 years of my life if Jesus tarries, another 15 years if he tarries another 15 years and if he tarries another 15 years till I get to see him face to face Oh, I wish, I pray that I get to see Jesus face to face. And he welcomes me and he says, Come in, my good and faithful servant. And not, uh, maybe not. But I look forward to the day when I'll see Jesus. This Jesus that I'm walking with, even when it is tough, even when it's difficult, this Jesus that I'm standing for, 
Even while the world says otherwise, I look forward to the day I will meet him face to face. I have questions. A lot of questions. But I'm piling them up. Oh, they're in these journals. I will take them with me. But the funny thing, when I see him, I think I'll be too overwhelmed with the essence of his presence. As he tells me, welcome home. Welcome home. Welcome to my bosom. But until then, I wake up every morning staying hungry, staying thirsty, staying desiring of all that God can do in my life and the people around me, of how God can change a dying world through a simple obedience and commitment that I have to Him. So this morning, I want us to worship, lift our hands as high as possible and allow God just refresh us again. Wherever you are on this journey, whether you're tired, whether you're on a high, whether you're on a low, whether you have questions, it's very fine. Bring them, bring them up. But let's just take a moment to just worship this morning and allow God fill our hearts and our souls again and again and again.
Lord, we speak your grace over the house this morning. Your abundant grace. You said that you have come that we may have life and have it in abundance to an overflow. And so I pray for my brothers and sisters this morning gathered together here, all over the room and online, Lord. And I pray for such grace that only you can give, Lord. Strengthen every feeble hand. Strengthen every weak knee. Encourage every heart, Lord. Let us stay strong, Lord. Help us stand perfect and complete. Nothing missing. Nothing broken. In your perfect will for our lives. Lord, bless every family gathered here. Bless every individual. Bless everyone, oh Lord, stretching their hands to you, Lord. To receive of all that you want for them in their lives, oh Lord. Lord, refresh our quiet places, Lord. Refresh our fireplace. Let our altars be burning. Let them be burning for you, Lord. Let there be such a desire, such a quest in the hearts of everyone here for you. For in Jesus' name, we have prayed. Amen and amen. We, we never like to end our services without giving somebody a chance to meet with Jesus. So you can be hearing, oh, 15 years. I'm far, far, far from it. Like they say, the journey of a thousand days starts with a step. Start today. Give the lordship of your life to Jesus. You know, there's a, there's a verse we read, and Jesus was saying there that there are many sheep outside the fold. And he says, I'm going to bring them back in. I'm going to bring them back in. Think about it. He left 99 other sheep just because of one. One. That's how personal God's love, excess God's love is for you. And God is calling you again today. Can we all bow our heads and close our eyes and give somebody the privacy to make a decision for their Lord? Are you here You're saying that I want to join you on this walk with God? I want to look back and say today, 8th of August, I made a decision for Jesus. Would you put your hand on your chest? as an act of faith, whether you're online or you're on site, just put your hand on your chest as a, an act of faith. I'll wait for you 10 more seconds. Jesus, come into my heart. Make me whole. I want to walk with you. I want to have this relationship. I'm tired of chasing shadows or making things work by myself. I want you to be my ultimate leader in life. Put your hand on your chest and let's say a prayer together. Let's say a prayer together. I see hands, I see hands. God honors you. And he's waiting. He's been waiting before you got into the service. He's been waiting with open arms. Not pointing fingers, not accusing fingers. Put that hand on your chest again. And allow Jesus walk through and through in you. Great. So let's say a prayer together. Whether you're making that decision for the first time or you've made it before, we'd like to join in as a church family. We're not a crowd. We're a company of believers. And so let's say it together at the top of our voices. Dear Jesus, Dear Jesus thank, you thank you for the gift of yourself. Thank you, of yourself. thank you for dying for me. Thank you because you were raised for me. To bring me back to God. To reconcile me back to my maker. And today, today, I publicly declare, I publicly declare that, I that I give the Lordship of my life 
over to you. Change me through and through. Take my sins away. Help me walk with you. And let this be a new start for me. I declare that I am a child of God. I boldly declare that I am a child of God. And someday, I look forward to meeting you face to face. In Jesus' name we pray. Can we just celebrate everyone that has made that decision? No, you don't know what happened. Someone crossed from death to life. Someone crossed from sin to life. The Bible says heaven rejoices over every sinner that comes over. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. You know, we say that our, our church is not full. Our church is not about all the chairs being full. It's until the world is empty. Till we drain the world of all its sin and all deceptions, everyone that he has stolen, till we bring them into the fold. Our church is in full. And so we're grateful that we have more seats being filled today because people have crossed from death to life. Would you give Jesus a big shout of praise? Again and again. Thank you, Jesus. Precious gift. So if this is your first time making this decision, we'd like to come on a journey with you. Um, after service, you'll see some people um, waving a book, a fresh life devotional. We want to start you out on your walk with God. The journey is a long one. It can get lonely. It can get overwhelming. You can become unsure. And so we want to get on the journey with you and see how we can help you. If you're online, there'll be a link already on your screen to lead you to where you can find resources that would help you. But then let's once again celebrate everyone and rejoice with everyone that is making that decision. We are so honored to have been able to share this teaching message with you from Sycamore Church, Ibadan, Nigeria. We really hope you found it to be a blessing. To find out more about us or how you can receive more resources from our church or our pastor, Tolulokpemudi, please visit our website, www.sycamore.church. That's S-Y-C-A-M-O-R-E.church. Or on Facebook and YouTube at Sycamore Church and on Instagram and Twitter at Sycamore underscore church. If you're ever anywhere around us, we'll be super honored to welcome you at one of our services.